Let's pray. Lord, as we look into your word again this morning, we ask for your spirit to speak to us. This is your word, your spirit. And we are your children. So say what you want to say to us, Lord. Do the work in us that you want to do. So that you may mould us and make us more like Jesus. For we ask this in his name. Amen. Last week we began thinking together about what it means to be excellent in diversity. We have been called to excellence. Called to be excellent in Christ. Do you think you're excellent at anything? There's one thing, apparently one thing that everybody is more excellent in than anything else. Do you know what that is? Making excuses for my faults. Making excuses for your faults. I'm not excellent in making excuses for your faults. Making excuses for your own faults, maybe. Telling lies. Telling lies? No, 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 no. You're in church. None of this nonsense. Do you know what you're the best at? Enjoying food. Reading your own handwriting. It's true. If you can't read it, there's no hope for anybody else, right? You know that. We're called to be excellent. And we believe God is calling us to excellence in attitude. And that's why we've been thinking together about the uh, Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes. The Beatitude. How we are to have the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus. And this is how he started his Sermon on the Mount. He said, these are the characteristics you need to have. But also, excellence in diversity, excellence in making disciples, and excellence in worship. And we're looking at the second of those, excellence in diversity. We are a diverse people. We live in a diverse world. Harrow is the most diverse borough in London. Therefore, the most diverse place in the whole of the United Kingdom. Perhaps the whole of Europe, I don't know. But it is wonderfully diverse. We come from loads of different backgrounds and languages and cultures and communities. It is an amazing journey this church has been on. When I came here a long time ago, it was a very different church to the church it is today. And I looked at it then and it was mainly full of English and Scottish with a couple of Welsh. And that was it. There was a, a couple of other people from across the world. But mainly it was full of English people here. And as, the, as our community has changed, as the church has changed, so it's welcomed in people from all over the world. About the only place, the only continent we don't have members yet is from Antarctica or the Arctic Circle. But we're still praying. The Lord will bring them. They'll feel right at home because it won't be any warmer here than it is where they came from. So... But we are, we, we come from South America, Central America, North America, from right across Europe, from Africa, from Asia. We come from the whole world. And we are a wonderful example of the diversity of God in one place. But diversity has its challenges. How do we hold all this together? How do we, how do we keep 
all this in one place. And we see in the world around us, and one of the reasons we pray and remember today is because diversity so often rips people apart. We see diversity in our world, and what happens? I don't like you, you don't like me, we end up getting, and then I say, come on Mike, you come on my side, and and you say, come on, you know, you come on your side, and we end up with two parties, and then it gets larger and larger, and what happens? You end up in fighting, and then you end up in war. And the reason we have to stand here today, and we, we give our thanks for all those that have gone before, is because... Somehow in humanity we've never understood how we can talk about diversity, how we can come at things from different angles and actually sit down and figure out a way forwards instead of taking up arms and fighting against each other. Wouldn't it be amazing if we could do that? If we could actually get together and say to the people in Syria from the different parties, why don't you just sit down and sort it out? We're going to lock you away in a little room, ISIS and, and the, the, uh, the opposition parties, and you're not coming out, and we're not going to feed you till you get it sorted. And then get it sorted and stop all this killing and bloodshed. Wouldn't it be amazing if we could do that? Because what's our answer? Our answer is, well, let's just go and bomb them. Because what else have we got? Diversity has challenges. And we said the first thing we need to do, and this was last week, when, when we're looking at diversity and how we can become excellent in our diversity, is firstly to be yourself. And we looked at David last week, and David, I love that bit in 1 Samuel 17 that we looked at, where he's going out to fight Goliath. And do you remember? Saul says, okay, well you go, because none of us are brave enough to go. And he puts Saul's armor on him. And he starts clonking around in this big armour and he's kind of walking. And he goes, I can't go like this, I'm a shepherd boy. I don't know how to use a sword, I don't know how to use armour. You need to let me go out to face Goliath by being me, a shepherd boy with my little slingshot. Let me do it the way that I know how to do it. Not try and be Saul, not try and be the stereotypical leader. Let me be who I am. And it was when he acted as he was, when he allowed God to flow through him, himself, when he was himself, he just, then God used him. And we, we looked last week about the need that we have to just be ourselves. So often we try and be someone else. Oh, I wish I could be like Ronnie and singing and writing music. I wish I could be like so and so. I wish I could be... And we look at other people around us and we wish and we we lust after what they've got instead of saying, thank you, Lord, that I am who you created me to be. That you knit me together in my mother's womb. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, Psalm 139 says. Thank you. Thank you for making me, me. Thank you don't leave me like that and you try and help me to become more like Christ. But thank you. Thank you for who I am. That was last week. The next stage of that, once we have been ourselves, once we understand who we are, and this I wonder if this is harder even still, is we need to let others be who they are. Now one thing is to allow me to be me. I can be me. That's okay. But I have to let you be you. And there's a whole load of things that our society does that tries to stop that from happening. 
The first thing is that we do is that there's a great pressure to conform. We seek to conform to the norms around us all the time. When you got up this morning and you decided what to wear when you come to church, what were the decisions that you made? Why don't you wear the same thing that you do on Saturday than you do on Sunday morning in church? Why don't I wear I don't, I don't do the gardening looking like this, right? I don't wear this except on Sundays, weddings and funerals, because it's uncomfortable and I feel bleh. Why... Why do we why don't we why do we conform? Well, because there's pressure around us to do that. I didn't wear this for three years when I started here. I just wore a tie. I've got a whole range of ties at home I never use anymore. I've got Snoopy ties and uh, 101 Dalmatian ties. And the biggest question that people kept asking me is why why don't you look like a minister? Why do you just use why don't you wear the kit? And I refused to answer. I said, I'm not telling you. And I thought, why should I? Why should I conform to everybody else? Why, why should I wear this stuff? Just because you want me to wear it. Why? And we conform like that all the time. I was talking with Mike, Mike Allison, on, on Friday night. In, in uh, a couple of weeks' time, our wives are going to go and get, uh, I don't know what the official term is, hatted, suited, booted. They're becoming street pastors, and there's a big ceremony. And I said to Mike, I sat there and I said, what are we supposed to wear? Uh, is this a formal gig, or, or is this like informal? It's in some church in South London somewhere, and there's a reception after. Because you must have been, have you ever been in those situations where you're inappropriately dressed? Have you ever been there? Well, you've gone in, and they're all spiffed up in suits and that, and you're wearing shirt, you know, T-shirt and jeans. And you're going, oh my goodness, I didn't realise what was going on. Or the other way around, where you're all suited up and looking really smart, and everybody else has gone casual. You've been there? It's terrible, isn't it? It's better to be that way around, isn't it, than the other way. But we've all been there, and what, what happens is you, you just want to shrink and hide and go... And you go around and making excuses to everybody. Well, I, I didn't realise it was a formal thing. I'm sorry about that. I, if I'd have known, I'd have, you know. Because of the pressure that we have in our society to conform to the things around us. There was somebody that came to this church about 12, 13 years ago. They came to that door, they looked in, and they walked away again. Because they saw the dress code of the people here, and they said... I'm not appropriately dressed to come to church. They never came back. Talked to them after. They said, I don't fit in because this is how I dress. And everybody else was so posh and smart. And they never came in. We do it. We don't, we don't recognize we're doing it half the time. But we try and conform to everything around us. They did a, state, uh, a test in the United States where they drew four lines on a board. And two of the lines were an identical length and the other two were not. And there was like an A over here and then a B, C and D. And the C one was exactly the same length as the A one. And they called in groups of 12 people at a time. 
And they asked them, and they just said, I want you to answer this question, which two lines are exactly the same length? Is it A and B, A and C, or A and D? And what they did was, in this group of 12, 11 people out of the 12, they'd pre-warned to vote for the wrong answer, to vote for uh, B, let's say. So when he says, okay, is it A and B, 11 of them put their hands up saying, yes, that's the right answer, even though it wasn't. And there was one poor guy in this group that wasn't included in this information, right? So he looks at it, he came in there and he looks at it, and he goes, well, it's obvious, it's A and C is the right answer. So the guy out the front says, okay, now what's the right one? A and B, 11 put their hands up. And nearly half the cases, even though the guy knew that it was the wrong answer, he'd put his hand up too. Because of the pressure of the 11. He's sitting there thinking, well, 11 people can't be wrong. What's wrong with my eyes? I'm going to go to the optician. What's going on? And even though he knew that it was the wrong answer, he would still conform to the rest. There's a conformity that says, I want you not to be yourselves, but I want you to be like me. I want you to be similar to me. I want you to to be in the kind of way that I want you to be. Why do we do that? Well, we do that because then there is a certain understanding between us. Christmas is coming. You know how hard it is? I bet you have this as well. There's always somebody in your family or somebody you have to buy a present for. And they're radically different to you. Have you got those kind of people? They're the worst people to buy a present for, aren't they? The people that are similar to you have similar tastes. It's easy. You go out there, you see what you like, and you think, I'll buy two of them, one for me, and I'll give one away. Right? Because I better test it first. (laughs) You know. The people that are really different. You know what you do? You go around and you go, oh, I don't, I don't really know if they're like that or not like that. So, I don't know. And then you think, I'll buy a voucher. They can get their own thing. And if you're a guy, your wife will always say, that's a cop-out. Don't get them a voucher. You have to go buy them a... Nobody wants a voucher. They want something, you know, real. And so you just wander around the shops, aimlessly going around John Lewis's, until you find something you think they might like and then you give it to them and then you never see it again because they're really different and you can't understand their kind of lifestyle and you don't understand what they would really like in their understandings it's like when you go to a party and you don't know anybody and you just go chatting to people you know we have this kind of dance that we do at parties isn't it usually starts with the weather because that's how we start every conversation in Britain oh It's nice and sunny outside, but it's a bit chilly this time of year. And then we kind of dance around a little bit. And they go, yeah, it is, isn't it? Oh, yeah, what did you see? Oh, it was really wet. Did you get caught in that rain shower last week? And we do this little dance, because we're embarrassed. We don't know how to just say hello to each other and then get into business. And then we go, so what do you do? You know, and then they say, well, I, you know, I'm I'm a minister. That finishes that conversation, (laughs) right? And then... (laughs) And then, and so when we start this dance around, trying to find some common ground. And if you don't find common ground quick enough, what do you do? You say, oh, oh my drink's empty, I'm going to just go to the bar, and then you go find someone else. 
rather than say, you're really boring, we have nothing in common, let's just be honest about this, let's just stop now before it gets any worse, shall we? But if you find some commonality between someone, then you just kind of cling to each other, don't you, for the whole evening, and you just start chatting. And, and you're there together and you just start, because there's overlap, you find something, you know, that you have in common. I went to Turkey on holiday. Did you? I've been to Turkey. Where did you go? Oh, I went to the same place. And then you just start talking. I like model railways. You like model railways? I love model railways. And you just start talking. I like football. You like football? Who do you support? That usually ends the conversation. You know? And so it goes on. I like playing tennis. You like playing tennis? Oh, did you see the game the other day? Oh, and then you just keep. And what happens at the end of that night? You say, I had a really good time. Why? Because I had this fantastic time. I just met someone and we just clicked like that. Because they're in your sphere. They're like you. There'll be differences. But there's enough overlap between the two of you for that kind of genuine communication to happen. And the reality is that we would like our churches and what the church has actually done, to be honest is that everybody needs to fit in with that overlap. That's why in our churches we have high churches and low churches. We have charismatic churches and conservative churches and liberal churches and churches that use organs and choirs and churches that don't use any organs or any choirs. Churches that sing a cappella. Churches that have bands. Churches and this and churches of that. And what have we done? We've separated it all out so that we can have people that will come that are just like me. Because that's what I like. That's what we like together. And we can all be happy together. And so we put these parameters around us to say, you need to become like I am, and therefore we'll welcome you. You know the hard thing that God has done in this place? He said to us, I don't want you to be like that. Because that would be easy. He said, what I want you to be is the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God has liberals and evangelicals and charismatics. The kingdom of God has people that find it useful to worship with the organ, and with a choir, and with a band, and with no band, and with a gospel group, and with Taze, and with all these different things. The kingdom of God has people who like to sit down and keep their hands in their pockets and never look up. And he likes to have people like Ronnie who jump up and down and clap and say, lift your arms in the air and let's just run around. You know? The kingdom of God has them all. And what God is doing here at Trinity is not only bringing everybody from the four corners of the globe, but he's putting into one place all those kind of different people And he's saying, I want to build the kingdom in Harrow. And the difficulty of that is that there's part of us that doesn't like it. Because I want you to be like me. I want you to dress the way I dress, without the collar. I want you to sing the way I sing. I want you to be like this and, and, and do like this. And if I like jumping, then you need to like jumping. If I like waving, you need to like waving. If I like praying out loud, then you need to like praying out loud. And we, do, we try and do that. So how, how do we have to think about this diversity, this unity in diversity 
that God is doing. Turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 12. Because God has called us to be that kind of family here at Trinity. And we don't know how we're doing it. Like, he's just said, do it. And we're kind of like, okay. And then we're like, well now, what, how, do, how do we do this, Lord? And I believe this verse that we're going to look at today, I'm going to give you the context first in 1 Corinthians 12, but the verse we're going to look at gives us handles on how we need to be thinking and and behaving in the midst of this. 1 Corinthians 12, it says, Now about spiritual gifts, brothers. Gifts is not in the Greek. It's actually about spirituality, is what he's saying, brothers. I do not want you to be ignorant. You yourselves know that when we were pagans, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to dumb idols. Therefore I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To the one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another miraculous powers. To another prophecy. To another the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another the ability to speak in different kinds of tongues. And still to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And he gives them to each one just as he determines. Thanks be to God for that reading. Amazing reading. I want us to focus just for a few moments on verse 7. He says, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Firstly, notice that he says, to each one. We are all unique. We talked about that last week. He could have said, Now to all the believers the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. That's true. But that's not what God wanted to say here. He wanted to say that actually it's to each one. In other words, if I was to give you a pound each, don't worry, don't get excited, I'm not going to happen, right? But if I was to give you, let's say, a fiver each, I give it to each one. So I go to Frank, here's a fiver. You know? Right? Here's a fiver. That's very, very different if I hand you a five pound note each than if I just say there's a basket of fibers up there, okay, go, go collect one, right? Then there'll be a scrum like you've never seen in Trinity, right? Very different. And he's saying now to each one, in other words, God looks at each one of us individually and he says, this is what I'm going to do in you. Not just collectively, I'm not just talking, I'm not just going to pour out my spirit on you and go, there it is. He says to each one of you, I'm going to look at you, David, I'm going to see what you need and I'm going to give the gifts and abilities that you need precisely to you. It's unique. I'm not going to do the same thing in anybody else because I have created you and you're fearfully and wonderfully made. You are unique. And so I'm going to look at you and give you exactly what you need. To each one of you, The manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. 
Now it's given, it says, when we come under the Lordship of Christ, verse 3. In other words, it's not just about saying, Jesus is Lord. We all sing that song, praise him with hallelujahs for Jesus is Lord. It's about doing what he wants us to do. It's about walking in the journey that he has set out for us. Matthew 7, verses 22 and 23 says that. Many will say, Lord, Lord, and I'll say, I never knew you. Who are you? It's about doing what he wants us to do. So there's an assumption here that we are walking with Christ, that we are doing what he wants us to do. And when we do that, he says, I'm going to pour out, I'm going to manifest my spirit within you for the common good. But I'm going to give you, each of you, exactly what you need. Now why does he do that? Well, I believe because he sees who we are and what we need. He looks at me and he says, David, I know your journey from beginning to end. I was there when I knit you together. I'm going to be there when you meet me face to face. And I know every moment of every day right throughout that journey. And he says, I'm going to look at you and I know exactly what you need for the whole journey. I know what you need. I know what you've got to take. I know what I need to do in you and through you to realize that whole journey. So I'm going to give you everything you need for that journey so that you can have a successful journey in life. Now your journey is not the same as my journey. Your journey is all individual, unique. So he says, I'm going to give you what you need for your journey. So everything you need, all the gifts and abilities, the presence of God, everything that you need is going to be there, available for you. And not only that, he says, I'm going to give you everything you need for our journey together as well because it's not just about me and my it's about us collectively together God has brought us together as a family God has placed us he carries on in 1 Corinthians 12 about the body analogy we're all interlinked locked together and so it's about us journeying together doing our thing together for his glory every member of this fellowship has a significant role to play in realizing the kingdom of God in this place. No one is more important, no one is less important. Because God has uniquely given us gifts and abilities to be used that link and hone in together. We're all uniquely made, but we're interlinked. Each one, he says, Each one, the manifestation of the Spirit. Now let's look at the Spirit for a minute. We've all uniquely made, but we all have a common source, the Spirit of God. We all come from that same Spirit. It's like a tree, Jesus describes it, doesn't he? He says, like the vine and the branches. Who's the vine? God is. We have the same source. We have the same sap that is flowing through us. We are the fruits of the vine, but he is the source. And if we get cut off, we're going to die. So he says, here, you've got the spirit together. It's the same spirit that is, that is infusing, is, is working in and through each of us. And so we have a commonality of source. That it's God that is doing this work in us. It's not ourselves. He says, so no one can boast. And so it's the Spirit then that decides all these gifts and abilities in verses 4 to 10. It says in verse 11 what? 
all these are the work of the one and the same Spirit, and He gives them to each one just as He determines. So the Spirit of God is the one that is giving us all these different gifts and abilities. Now that means we need to be slightly careful here. Because sometimes I like, well not sometimes, I prefer some of the gifts of of the Spirit to others. If I'm uh, of a certain persuasion in the, uh, in the, the spectrum of theology of the church, there are certain gifts and abilities I prefer. There's a couple in this church that have the, uh, the ministry of giving. They invite people over to their house for supper. It's beautiful. Fantastic cooks. And they're great host and hostess. And they give. And they give and they give and they give. And it's beautiful. There are others in this, that have, in, in this church that have the gift of, of healing or the gift of tongues and prophecy. Now they're radically different. And the danger is that we go, well I prefer the gifts of generosity and giving. Because actually I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm more comfortable with those gifts. And what we can do if we're not careful is that we start criticizing those with the gifts of God that are not in our own comfort zones. And when we do that, we criticize God. Because they're not my gifts. They're His gifts through me. They're not your gifts. They're His gifts that He has entrusted to you. And if you criticize the gift within someone, you criticize the giver of the gift. And we need to be careful, I think, that we encourage one another, hone one another by all means, but we do not criticize one another. Criticize something that is not my own, because I find it a little bit outside my comfort zone. It's fine that it's outside my comfort zone, but we need to praise and thank God that there are people there with his gifts and abilities being used for his glory. It's the Spirit who gives. And the Spirit knows not only what I need for my life, but knows what we need for our journey together. He knows what he needs in Trinity Church to accomplish what he has for Trinity Church. And so he will continue to bring people that he has already given those gifts to, Or maybe he will give new gifts to people that are already here to accomplish what he wants to accomplish in this place. Because it's the Spirit that gives one each gift just as he determines. And he gives them, going back to verse 7, for the manifestation of the Spirit. Manifestation means the outworking of the Spirit is given to everyone. It's a unique gifting that is given to you or given to me to manifest the Spirit of God around us so that the Spirit can be shown in us and through us. That means that we all need to play our part in service together. That we all, because the Spirit has said, you know what, David, I'm going to give you these gifts and abilities. You make them work. You you allow me to flow through you into Trinity. Mike, I'm going to give you these gifts and abilities that are going to be different. You allow them to flow through you into Trinity. You know? 
Tim, I'm going to give you these gifts and abilities. Elaine, I'm going to give you these gifts and abilities. And he says that for each one of us. Now allow them to flow. And as they flow, they connect together. And they work together for His glory. Somebody said recently, one of the greatest curses on a church is when its business is down to such a science that it manifestly runs by human effort alone. That really struck a chord with me. Because a lot of the meetings I go to are on a human level. Church is dying. Let's, what can we do? What can we do? Well, first thing, maybe you should pray and seek God's face. How many of our meetings do we go to that are actually taken off of a human level and recognize the Spirit of God and the power of God at work in them? We need to do that more and more and more. Yes, God has given us wisdom and human understanding, for sure. But it must never be limited to that. Because everything we do is supernatural. It has the power of God, the Spirit of God, working in us and through us in each of those situations. And so we need the manifestation of God to flow through us so that it can connect together as one people. And why? It says for the common good. The purpose of why God gives us these gifts and abilities is for the good of the kingdom. That's how you can measure their effectiveness. Is it helping the kingdom of God? Yes or no? If the gifts and abilities that God has given you, if they're flowing through you and not helping the kingdom of God, then there's something wrong. Because they're given for everybody, for the common good, for us to grow and develop and be discipled and encouraged and for the mission of the church to go out into our community and for many non-believers to come into the family of God. If that is not happening, then what is wrong? There is something wrong with the gifts and abilities or the way we're using the gifts and abilities that God is seeking to work in us and through us, to manifest in us. Because it is always, it says, for the common good. They're never your gift or my gift. It is something that is given to us collectively to be shared and nurtured and encouraged together. For the common good. He says there are two reasons. One, he says in verse 3, is to glorify Christ. Is the gifts and abilities that God has given you glorifying Christ? And is it for the good of the kingdom, for the common good? If it's not, then there is something wrong. You're using it ineffectively. You're using it for self-recognition or for boasting in yourself. Not in glorifying Christ. And it needs to change. He says, now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. What good gifts has God given to you? J.I. Packer said this, he said, The church is not like a bus where passengers sit quietly and let someone else do the driving. It's like an anthill where everyone is at work. Where are you working? What are the gifts that God has entrusted to you? To each one, he says. 
Where are those gifts being used? Where is the manifestation of those gifts? How are they connected to others? Through the Spirit of God. And how are you supporting others in their gifting? Seeking the common good. I want to close by doing this. Could everybody please stand? I want you to hold the hand of the person next to you, just on one side. Just hold the, hold the hand of just one person. Uh, just on one person. Okay, just one person. That's cool. Mike, is there anybody that's not holding it? Oh, look, husband and wife. They separated there for a bit and then they came back. There. Anybody not holding somebody's hand right now? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Right. Now, move around a bit. Come on, let's just move. Get out of your seats. Just move. You've got to hold hands. Don't let it go. Mine are freezing, man. Right. Well, what's all this hugging and going on? Right. Okay, stop where you are. Stop where you are. Now, link your hand, the other hand, the free hand, to someone else. The free hand. Oh. The free hand. Look, you know what your free hand is? Do you? Oh, this is confusing. Look, it's old Lang Syne going on over here. Right? Okay, now move around again. If we can. <laughs> right? Okay. Right, now, now this is where it gets complex, right? What I want you to do is for every... Don't let go of the hand that you've got, right, for the minute. But I want you to go and join... You have to join with another group now so that for every hand connection, there are three hands joined together. Is that going to be possible? So three hands, not four, three. Three and three. Okay? If you've only got two, then you may have to see if you can join. You might have to let go of one hand and then join in, if you see what I mean. Is that working? I'm all right. (laughs) Right. Now, what did you have to do to do that? Huh? You had to unlink, but what else did you have to do? Move. Physically? Move around. Move around, but what else? Choose somebody. You had to get closer. Right? If we were to say a join of four now, what's going to happen? Right? So we'll let go of that one. I'll put that one there. You join that one in there. Join four. You have to get closer still, don't you? Yeah. Right? We're all, we're all crammed in here, right? This is, this, is, this is quite emotional, isn't it, really? Right, let me, let me let go for a minute. Do you see what I'm trying to say? The more... Okay, the more we get connected together, the more we allow the Spirit of God to connect the gifting and the abilities that He has given to each of us, what happens? the closer and closer we have to be together. You cannot have four people holding hands at a distance. It doesn't work. 
And what God has done is he's given me certain gifts and Ronnie gifts and you guys gifts, each of us gifts. And he says, you have to work those gifts together. And to do that, you've got to come closer together, to be together. You have your diversity because of the gifts and abilities he's given you, because of the experiences and the likes and the dislikes and everything else that he's done in us and through us. But he says, you need to be one. You need to be so united and committed together for me to accomplish the purposes. That I want four connections and five connections and six connections and seven connections. You know, I used to be part of a team. And before the team, when you used to play basketball, you all put one hand in. And you go, one, two, three, what? And then off you went. But you're all crammed in together, just getting that one hand into the middle as a team working together. That is the diversity or the unity in the diversity that God wants in his church. That we gather closer and closer and closer together as one body to accomplish his purposes. You know, if I was to say to you now, just move down this way, right? I'm not going to, it's all right. Because I'll be visiting you in A&E in a minute, all right? But you'd all be shuffling along together, wouldn't you? Holding that unity. You, couldn't, you can't do it without all working together, moving together, like the three-legged races. That's what he's saying. The manifestation of the Spirit to each one is given for the common good. And as a church, with our richness in diversity, we need to pull it together. We need to keep it together. We need to work together in a closeness and a unity that accomplishes everything that he has for us. Next week at our 11 o'clock service, we're going to talk a little bit about what God has in store for us. Because this is amazing what he's saying he wants to accomplish through us. But to do that, we need to be tight. Tight together, holding on to one another. You can let go of each other if you want to, by the way. (laughs) Tight together, working together for his glory, for the common good. Actually, why don't we just pray while you're together? You can see who liked one another and who didn't. (laughs) Thank goodness for that. Let's just pray where we are. Lord, we want to thank you and praise you. Lord, we want to thank you for our diversity. That you look on each one of us and you say, these are the gifts and abilities I want to give you. I want to give them to you because this is what you're going to need for your journey. But more than that, I want to give them to you because this is where I want you to plug in to my family. And as we learn to use those gifts and abilities together, the ones if we manifest the Spirit of God for the common good. So Lord, we will see your power at work in our lives, in this church, in this community, across London, across this country. And we will see what it truly means to follow you. Draw us closer and closer and closer together. That we may thank you that we are all different. But we thank you for that diversity. Help us to work together. Draw us together. So that we may be one. Just as the Father, the Son and the Spirit 
are three in one. Lord, we thank you and we praise you for today. We lift ourselves and one another in the name of Christ. Amen.